Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Today, I'll be talking about Jonathan Taylor making a trade request yesterday, or better said, the Colts allow him to uh, look at exploring trades coming back to them. Baker named a starting quarterback. Jets add Dalvin Cook since we've last spoken. Anthony Richardson named a Colts starter. Then I'm going to get into college football, Jim Harbaugh. The NCAA top player list. But let's get started with Jonathan Taylor uh, being granted the okay to request a trade. Uh, he came out a few weeks ago and said he requested a trade. The Colts, Jim Mersey, said there was a no-go. They were not going to do that, not going to oblige. So here we are a few weeks later after that um, incident. Jonathan Taylor has been given the okay to see what trades are out there. So I think this is a smart move by the Colts, and it's been done before in the past, is that they're allowing, you know, kind of like Lamar Jackson, they're going to allow Jonathan Taylor to essentially go out, talk to other teams, because the root of this issue is trade request is his contract. Uh, he wants a bigger contract. Uh, the Colts said that, you know, we're not giving you this contract. He's got, I think, one year left on his deal. So the Colts, in the Colts' minds, they're like, well, guess what? He's not going to get what he thinks he wants. You know, you look at uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, he came back to the Colts for, I think, a million more than what the franchise tag was. So I think the Colts are just thinking, hey, we'll let him seek this trade. But guaranteed, he's going to come back to us because other teams aren't going to value him as much as he thinks he should be valued. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think Jonathan Taylor will come back, uh, strike up uh, some sort of contract, or just end up playing this year and leaving in free agency next year. But the uh, Colts are seeking a first-round pick or a combination of picks, you know, equal to a first value, first round pick in return. So do I think they're getting a first round pick? No, I do not think they'll get a first round pick, especially since Christian McCaffrey last year, the Panthers didn't get a first round pack, uh, pick back from them. So the 49ers, all they had to trade uh, last year was a second, third, fourth, in fifth round pick. So to me, that is a uh, steep price uh, being paid. That's, you know, four draft picks. I think a lot of executives in their right mind think Christian McCaffrey is a better running back than Jonathan Taylor. And Christian McCaffrey also fits in better to, I think, more systems than Jonathan uh, Taylor does, where McCaffrey can not only run the football, but you can run east and west with him, north and south. Uh, you can also throw the ball to him, uh, different screenplay. He can be in every down back. Whereas Jonathan Taylor uh, doesn't have the hands that uh, Christian McCaffrey does. So do I think we're going to get four first-round picks if this trade were to happen? A second, third, fourth, and fifth? No, but I do think the starting baseline would be a second-round pick. I do think. Uh, the second and third would be too much for Jonathan Taylor. 
I think if you remove that, I think a second and fourth or a you know second, fourth, fifth for a level like um level player that Jonathan Taylor is, especially for a team that wants to win football games, their eyes are set on the Super Bowl, that hey, this, you know, running back can take us over the top or put us in the conversation uh with the other top teams of there at the top. So if I was the a team, if I was a general manager, these are three teams. Now there's a few other teams I had on the list, but these are the three teams I thought you make this trade, these are the three teams that would improve the most, improve their odds, the noise around them, the consist the consensus around them. Number one, find the Buffalo Bills are making the trade. Again, I'm not trading a first-round pick, but I'll trade a combination of picks to get Jonathan Taylor. On the Bills, I'm making this trade. Why? Well, the Bills didn't improve offensively in the offseason. They didn't sign any weapons. They didn't get Dalvin Cook. They kind of just stayed status quo. And we've seen other teams around them get better. We saw the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Uh, they, I don't think they got a lot worse. I think they will regress a bit, but I still view them as a better team than the Bills. Cincinnati offensively, I think, is better than the Bills. You look at the Jets, uh, they have improved. Uh, Miami, if you bank on Tua, Baltimore has improved. I think Kellen Moore with the Chargers has really improved as well. you got Jacksonville there. So I think Miami is ahead of a few of those teams, but they're clearly not the favorite like the Bengals and the Chiefs are. Now, you're stuck there where I don't think they're going to make it to the AFC Championship game. Why? Well, it's clear. The offensive line is shaky, and they have no run game. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, Devin Singletary ain't the guy. Zach Moss wasn't the guy. I don't think James Cook is the guy. You get Jonathan Taylor, and now Josh Allen doesn't have to do so much with the football. You're in a third and short, third and two, third and one. Guess what? Now you can keep the defenses honest. Now you have a running back who can easily get one or two yards. So you have defenses in, in the box respecting Jonathan Taylor. That just opens up more things for Josh Allen. I think if they get Jonathan Taylor, I think Buffalo is right there on par with the Chiefs and the Bengals. It's no longer a gap between the Chiefs and Bengals and then the Bills. It's, hey, the Bills are right there with those two teams. Uh, because Miami looks good, the Jets have bolstered, so in the division, I don't even see them as a clear-cut favorite, let alone the conference. They get Jonathan Taylor, that changes their perspective. I think that makes Stephon Diggs a little happier as well, that, hey, this team is going all in. I don't think Josh Allen is a problem that Stephon Diggs has, because he knows uh, Josh Allen is very, very talented. He has his back. Josh Allen's a top-five quarterback in the league. But I think it's the team around him in that winning big time game. Jonathan Taylor, I think, uh, turns the dial a bit to the right, turns it up a notch. But you have to remember, too, what the Colts do this AFC trade, uh, again, on a quarterback, but you never know. Now, my next two teams are in the NFC. So, my second team, if I'm on there, I'm making a phone call. That's the Dallas Cowboys. 
And I'm doing this basically on a one-year trial run, knowing I still have to pay Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb, but I'm going all in this year. Why? Uh, no more Zeke. Tony Pollard recovering from a torn fibula that was looked bad against the 49ers. He'll be back healthy. But the thing is, we've seen Tony Pollard great splitting the carries with Zeke or going him 60-40. Now with him being this three-down back, uh, they don't have the depth behind uh, Tony Pollard uh, to balance it. And again, Tony Pollard has been dinged up before, so I don't trust Malik Davis or Ronald Jones, who they picked up, or Doosan. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm thinking to myself, hey, there's one team that I think has a sizable talent gap over us in our own division, that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, there's other up-and-coming teams uh, as well, like the Detroit Lions, but you also have the 49ers. So if I'm the Cowboys, and I think the Eagles and Niners, again, are that gap ahead of me like the Bills are, I get Jonathan Taylor, I close that gap. Why? Because I'm not banking on Dak Prescott to become superhuman this year and tear it up. That's just not who he's been. He likes a good offensive line in a solid running game and play action pass. So you add Jonathan Taylor to the Cowboys. I think that makes him a favorite in the division. I do think Philadelphia is going to take a step back. I don't know if Brock Purdy uh, last seven games are going to be totally indicative of his entire career. So if I'm Dallas, I'm jumping at the bait here for this one year. I'm putting all the chips in one table, much like the Rams did uh, a couple years ago for their Super Bowl. They said, hey, Super Bowl or bust. They won their Super Bowl. Now it's the bust. Now they're paying for it. But they got the ring. Jerry Jones wants it. If he wants it that bad, you're going out and you're getting Jonathan Taylor. Now my last team. I just foreshadowed it by the previous team I mentioned in there. The Los Angeles Rams. Now if I'm a Rams, why am I doing this? Because I got an offensive head coach in Sean McVay. I don't want Matthew Stafford... Uh, having 600 pass attempts of this year because he gets broken down. He's a brittle quarterback. He's always had some nagging injury, elbow or shoulder. You don't want him throwing the ball 50 times a game, 30, 40, 50. You want him to stay between the 20 to 25 range. Now, you're not going to do that with Cam Akers as your running back. He's been too inconsistent. You bring in Jonathan Taylor. Now we look at the Rams like, hey, they're not just a 6-11 and 11 team, 7-10. and 10. Now you open up the play action with Cooper Cup healthy, who last time he was healthy was the best wide receiver in football for a year. Uh, and then the defense, Aaron Donald coming back healthy. Hey, you never know what happens if we have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, maybe we win some of our games in the beginning. We pull him from the Colts. We beat the Colts. Uh, maybe we beat the Seahawks, the Cardinals, uh, Steelers later on. And maybe if we like we're positioned 500, 5 and 4 at the trade deadline, then we can make another move and assess from there. But I'm, I'm the Rams. I'm making this trade to get back to relevant again because San Francisco is better than you. And to me, it's sort of a coin toss between them and Seattle. You don't know which way it's going to go. Uh, Matthew Stafford's just not been healthy lately. So. If I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm looking at those three teams because not only do I want a contract, but I want to win too. 
and going to the Bills uh, it makes the most sense. I think Dallas for a year makes sense to kind of get your value up. And I think the Rams would be beneficial as well. So those are my three teams. If I'm a GM, those are trades I'm exploring. Now moving on to another NFL topic. So it was announced today that Baker Mayfield is going to be the starting quarterback over Kyle Trask. Bowl said that Kyle is our number two. We have loved everything Kyle has done. He's gotten leaps and bounds better than he was in the spring, and he's continuing to get better, and we're excited about him. But Baker's our guy right now, experience-wise, and just understanding the playbook just a little bit better. But Kyle's on the come-up, but we like both guys. We like where we're at. Baker's number one. Kyle's two. So, it's official. Baker is a starting quarterback. Now, I thought this would happen. Now, there was a point in time where it was uh, close, and Todd Bowles said it was 50-50, and I said if, you know, Baker isn't a starting quarterback, he should just retire because that's a bad look to not be the quarterback to a guy like Kyle Trask. So, uh, Mayfield, this is his third team since he was traded by the Browns a year ago. Uh, didn't end well with the Browns. Looked terrible in uh, Carolina. Now he went to the Rams and had a couple glimpses, couple games, but now he's on the Bucks. Now the you know Bucks have a good team, similar team to what they are last year. I think the offensive line, uh, some of the pieces should be better, some of it'll be worse. So uh, kind of push pull there. Not really a solid uh, running game. I think Rashad White's very good. I just don't know about his durability uh, and him being an every-down player. So if I'm, you know, the Bucks, I'm being honest here. We had Tom Brady last year. Tom Brady, the GOAT, the greatest history, greatest ever, greatest in Bucks history, broke Bucks records, and he was only there for three years. And they were 8-9 last year. The team struggled. Now, I do think Tom struggled uh, more than any other year because of all the personal stuff going on in his life that was brought to light. But also, the team looked older, looked like they lost a step, weren't focused. And they were playing with Tom Brady. Do I expect the Buccaneers with Baker Mayfield to be better than 8-9 and nine than last year? I don't. I watched Baker play last year. Again, he had a couple good throws, a couple good drives, a couple good games. But outside of that, it was largely a mess. Now, I'd like to see Baker succeed, but at this point in his career, it's highly unlikely. Uh, he's a starter. Good for him. But is this team going to be better than 8-9? and nine? No. I don't know what the over-under is, their win total. But if it's 7.5, 6.5, Give me the under. Because guess what? This team might start 0-7. They just might. They open in Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, tough place to play. Open with them. Then they play the Bears. I think that can go either way, um, depending on how Justin Fields is. But they could be 0-2. Then they play the Eagles. That's a loss, 0-3. Then they play at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans was tough for Tom Brady. I think they'll be tough for Baker Mayfield, 0-4. Then they play the Lions, 0-5. Then they play the Falcons. Again, this could be a push or pull, but 
I think the Falcons have improved as well. Uh, it could be 0-6, best case scenario right here, 2-4. and And then they play the Buccaneers, so best case 2-5, and worst case 0-7. That's their starting schedule. It is brutal. Then it lets up for two weeks against the Titans and the Texans, who I don't think are very good, uh, with the Colts in there. But then it gets back to being tough again. They play the Niners, the Jags, the Saints, you know, Panthers twice. It's not going to get easy for this team. So I'm glad Baker's a starter. This could be his last year starting, uh, depending on how good, how bad the uh, Buccaneers are. Uh, I think they should be in the market for a la Caleb Williams or Drake May. Uh, do I think that they'll do that? In tank, no, but I don't think they're going to be very good. So expectations, not very high for this team. Next, I want to talk about the New York Jets. So I think it was exactly a week ago. The Jets officially signed Dalvin Cook. Now I like this because Dalvin Cook, the past few years, Again, some durability issues, some, you know, nagging injuries. But I like that they added him because it's depth, it's star power. Uh, you don't want to rush back Brees Hall from his ACL now. He's off the uh, unable to perform list. He's back at it, but you don't want to rush him. I think you want to slowly ease him back to where he was last year when he looked like he was going to run away with Offensive Rookie of the Year before he got injured. So incorporating uh, Brees Hall slowly. I could see it starting as a 70-30 split, 30 Dalvin Cook. And then, it, you know, those increases slowly swap to where the end of the year, you're looking at Brees Hall 70, Dalvin Cook 30, and both of them are fresh from a playoff because what we see so many times is players expend a lot during a regular season, uh, running backs they get to the postseason, and they're tired, they do look gassed, uh, speed might be down a bit, their explosiveness. So I think adding, adding Dalvin Cook, it's a smart priority piece, especially since Aaron Rodgers took the pay cut. Might as well use that money to pay some players right now uh, while you have a uh, not, as, as, not as expensive quarterback deal. Now, speaking of the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to make his preseason debut with the New York Jets, I believe, this Saturday against the Giants. And I can, can't can tell you uh, the last time Aaron Rodgers, let me look that up, last time Aaron Rodgers played in a preseason. Because these past few years of Packers, it's been no preseason play, no training camp. It's been like silent. Okay, so there I have it. So he hasn't played a preseason game since 2018, so five years since it's been a preseason. He's 39 right now, so the last time he played was 34. And I get playing Aaron Rodgers. I think playing in the preseason makes sense. I've defended it last year. I'm going to defend it again. But when you play in the preseason, even if it's just a few series, that is the closest simulation to week one you're going to get. Playing in training camp with the weird helmet and uh, not, you know, hard tackling, it doesn't really prepare you for week one as closely as the preseason does. You get to gel, you get to focus on issues. So again, 
I agree with Robert Sala because so many people have uh, decried Robert Sala saying you're going to get him injured. But I love what Robert Sala said. He said, you can't coach scared. You can't play scared. You can slip out of your car and something can happen to you. I totally agree uh, with that. You can't live scared. So I agree with Rodgers playing in here. Uh, Again, it probably will be just for a series or two. But guess what? You get acclimated to your new stadium, uh, the home atmosphere. Uh, you get to play with some of the guys, the offensive line. You get to kind of see a real uh, simulation against a good Giants defense. So, you know, I think it is smart, um, you know, to kind of have him uh, play a couple series, not just one because uh, one, it's scripted. Second, he can kind of make some on-the-fly Adjustments get back on the field transition, especially because the offensive line has been troublesome. Uh, do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to lay it all on the line in the preseason game? No, I think he could easily, you know, if he's going to take a sack, he'll fall down like uh, Tom Brady has done in the past where, hey, you're not going to risk getting injured in this preseason game. I don't see Aaron Rodgers getting injured in this preseason game, but I do like Aaron Rodgers playing in the preseason, I like him buying into what Robert Sala is selling. Uh, the culture has changed a little this year with Aaron Rodgers. I uh, hear the vibe is high on the Jets. I like the vibe. And I'm sticking with Robert Sala and the Jets right now. Next week, I might pick my division winners, but sneak peek, Jets might be number one for my AFC East team. Now moving on. The Colts. What about the Indianapolis Colts? Well, they did name Anthony Richardson their starting quarterback, putting the Gardner Minshew debate to rest. And this is six straight years with a starting quarterback. To me, uh, that is insane. And it's probably a streak that they hope is going to end because 2018 – their week one starter, Andrew Luck. 2019, Jacoby Brissett. 2020, Phillip Rivers. 2021, Carson Wentz. 2022, Matt Ryan. Now 2023, Anthony Richardson. I believe this will put a streak to the end, but as I touched on earlier, Jonathan Taylor did request that trade. Uh, so, with that being said, I like the rookie quarterback having a run game around him. He does not have that, so uh, who knows um, exactly what will uh, happen uh, moving forward in the next couple weeks before the regular season starts. Uh, But I think Anthony Richardson would benefit from having Jonathan Taylor than not having him, but I do hope Anthony Richardson pans out and turns out to be a Colts quarterback and we don't have to turn to another one. Um, next year. Now moving on to the NBA. So I want to talk about James Harden for a second because near the beginning of the offseason, James Harden requested a trade and, you know, trades were being explored. It looked like the Clippers was a viable option. Uh, then a uh, report came from the Sixers that, hey, they're ending train uh Trading talks with James Harden, we're going to keep him. 
And then the following day, uh, while in China promoting something, James Harden uh, said that called Daryl Morey a liar and that he would not be associated with another organization or with him again. And he reiterated that point multiple times. And then he said, you know, he would not perform a service that's called for under his player contract unless traded to another team. So he was fined $100,000 for those comments. Now, I'm for, you know, if Harden wants to trade, I'm for you honoring the trade. And I, you know, and what people have to remember too, especially the Sixers, is they're not going to find a suitable trade partner, probably for what their asking price is, because James Harden isn't that guy anymore. He's not 2018, 2019 James Harden. This is a different version of James Harden. A good version, but not a great one. So Harden exercised his $35 million option. Uh, if I'm the Clippers, if I'm the Sixers, I'm looking to trade that. Hey, you dump that off. Uh, we get some pieces, you know, some is better than nothing, uh, to where, hey, you can then annual, uh, analyze other pieces. Uh, you can look at Tobias Harris. Uh, you can kind of gauge where Joel Embiid is at, because I think the last thing the Sixers want to do is trade James Harden. Joel Embiid gets upset, hurt, and then Joel Embiid requests a trade, because then it's all loose, because Joel Embiid, is the MVP, and what does a trade look like for Joel Embiid? Because I imagine it's more than what Kevin Durant got traded for uh, this past, you know, regular season at the trade deadline. So I do think that's interesting there um, about the Clippers, and kind of this is the last offseason piece. Moving forward is this James Harden Clipper saga uh, because – as much as I want Dane to get traded, it doesn't look like anything is happening on that front. Now moving to college football. The last, or I should say this, so a couple weeks ago it looked like Jim Harbaugh was going to be suspended for the first four games of a season. Again, I didn't think it was anything because of the cakewalk schedule they have to open the season and, you know, over buying recruited cheeseburger, I thought the whole thing was just a joke. But uh, Michigan kind of self-imposed the ban uh, yesterday while the college goes through a process because they're hoping that, hey, Michigan Jim Harbaugh works this out privately. It appeals to the NCAA, and then the NCAA uh, doesn't uh, bother with it anymore because it looked like from yesterday or you know, from when the suspension got lifted before games that, you know, the NCAA was going to look into it next year. I think Michigan's hoping that, hey, you know, we did the three. Hopefully they don't pursue it next year. Uh, this is kind of the, you know, handshake agreement inside the, the business for the NCAA not to pursue this anymore. So, I think it's smart. I think Jim Harbaugh had to play him if he actually commented on it yesterday. You know, don't get bitter, get better. And, you know, said the team will be fine. And, again, I ain't worried about Michigan without Jim Harbaugh 
for the first three games. Again, I could coach Michigan against East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green at home. and have no issues, and we win by 40 because of the talent that's on Michigan. So, again, I'm not worried at all for those first three games. This is a minuscule uh, at best. Then, also college football, I want to talk about the top uh, player list. So, um, they did a ranking of the, you know, top players, you know, coming into 2023. And some I agree with, some I don't. So, Caleb Williams, number one, I get it. He has the Patrick Mahomes comparison, the Heisman. I get him at number one. Brock Bowers is two, and I think that's smart. He's a tight end out of Georgia. Uh, he is very good. He blocks. He can catch to me. He's like a George Kittle. He's, to me, very uh, George Kittle-like um, with his blocking and catching ability. Three, Marvin Harrison. Again, I agree with that as well. Wide receiver out of Ohio State. Uh, unanimous. All-American, one of the best wide receivers, the best wide receiver in the country this year. Will be a high draft pick next year. Harold Perkins, uh, linebacker out of LSU. Uh, very, very impactful edge rusher. Who's very good. Drake May at quarterback at five. Then this is where I have a problem. So Michael Penix was six and Blake Corum was seven. Now I know if I say this to everybody, they're going to say, yeah, you're a Michigan homer. But come on. Blake Corum, if him and Hinden, if him and Hendon Hooker didn't get hurt last year, uh, New York might have looked very differently. But guess what? Injuries happen. But Blake Corum, to me, uh, is a better football player than Michael Penix is. I think Michael Penix is very good. But he's not as good as Blake Corum. I'm just putting that out there. And you have a Florida State uh, duo, Jordan Travis at 8, Jared Verse at 9, and Mikel Williams at 10. So I agree with a lot of that, and that is reflected in the preseason All-Americans, too. That, hey, uh, when you look at the the teams uh, to look out for and the some sort of the best players, uh, you look at Michigan. You know, Michigan has, uh, you know, three, four guys in that top 25 running backs, offensive linemen, Washington's. Got a quarterback wide receiver. Um, Georgia, you know, has an offensive player and a defensive lineman. Uh, Alabama as well. So, you know, Florida State, you know, you look at teams like that, you know, some have an outlier like North Carolina, Drake May, uh, and Caleb Williams quarterback. But you kind of look for teams with multiple uh, players in those lists to see, hey, you know, how good are they, you know, what are we doing? You know, this is kind of how we can judge, you know, ranking college football teams, preseason poll rankings because of the talent that's returned. And for the most part, I agree with the rankings and where they have them out. And I think that's going to be a very fun college football season. And it officially gets underway this Saturday, the quote-unquote week zero. So I'll be looking forward to that this weekend because Saturday we get – 13 Notre Dame in action, and 6 USC in action. I don't think there will be heavy tests, but hey, we can say college football's back. This has been Unbothered. 
I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.